36 down, 329 to go. My name is Chris, and this is At a Theater Near Me, the podcast where I go to the movie theaters every single day for an entire year. I just got back from Stamford, Connecticut. I went there to escape the ice storm that hit uh, my general area here in New Hampshire and uh, I guess in northern Massachusetts. I'll talk a bit about maybe that I may have gone a little too far. I didn't need to go all the way to Stamford. We'll talk about that as well as my experience in Stamford, a town I'd never really, a city I'd never really been to. Uh, and then we're going to talk about the movies Sundown and Kung Fu Panda. And then for Concessions Month, the candy we'll be discussing is our snow caps. Uh, but let's get right into the Stamford trip and what the kind of the game plan was there. So uh, I saw on the weather uh, that there would be, a, 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 as you probably heard in the last episode, to be a, like a snow, ice, rain line uh, that looked like it was slowly moving progressively south. Uh, ended up not quite going as south as I thought it would be. And I, I honestly, it looks like the theater, A, the theaters in my general area appeared to all stay open. Now, I, I saw my driveway and the general roads around me. I don't know if I would have been e even able to get out of my driveway on Friday. So I definitely think I made the right move by leaving town. I don't know if I made the right move by driving four hours to Stanford. Um, I, you know, it looks like if I just stayed in maybe Southern Massachusetts or even Rhode Island, I probably would have been just as fine as I was in Stanford. But the last thing you want to do is stay home or maybe not go as far as you need to. And then, you know, you're really shut out of luck. You, it, it was something like this, you really have to be overly cautious uh, because, you know, don't see a movie and this whole thing's over. So uh, I said maybe going to Stanford was, was probably too far, but at the end of the day, I was still able to catch some movies. So I suppose on some elements of win, I'll talk about how it's going to affect the budget uh, in the next episode, which I think is going to be tomorrow. I think we'll like, go daily for a few days here. Uh, I have some fun things planned the next couple days here on the show. We have Oscar nominations coming out. Uh, also working on scheduling some guests. So hopefully uh, we, we might go we might go daily for at least a, a few episodes in a row here. Uh, so tomorrow's episode, we'll talk about the expense report. I'll also talk about the box office report as well. Uh, but Stanford all in all was fine. It was a bigger town than I had thought. I had no idea. It's the second biggest uh, city in, in Connecticut, a uh, second behind Bridgeport. Uh, in fact, it's larger than New Haven, larger than Hartford. I was surprised that I didn't know it was that large. It has, I think, 135,000 people that live there. And it's a home to nine Fortune 500 companies uh, as of 2019. Staying in Stanford, you know, for all the identity and culture uh, and, uh, you know, the unique elements of Albany, I felt Stanford didn't really have that. It, and especially the, the places I went, it almost felt frozen in time. I stayed at the Stanford Hotel, uh, which used to be a Sheridan. It was built about 40 years ago. Uh, it was just purchased by this uh, company out of Celebration, Florida, and they reopened the hotel less than a year ago. Uh, they didn't make that many renovations that I saw. And there's a lot of stuff that honestly, in fairness to them, they can't really fix. I mean, the lobby is something that's out of the early 80s. I mean, the, the architecture of it, it's just, it's incredibly large. It, nothing about this place feels particularly modern. Uh, and unfortunately, it's not old enough to be fun and retro. It's in that weird middle ground. And that architecture in the 70s and 80s is just well, it wasn't incredibly creative or interesting, in my opinion. Uh, it's just not a great look. Uh, and the rooms themselves were fine. Um, I, I probably get the hotel, I guess, a four and a half. The reason I picked it out of the other ones, it was the cheapest option in Stamford. So that's why I went there. You know, the other line of thinking with this too was like, I, I saw a few people reach out and say, oh, you just should have stayed in Boston uh, right next to a movie theater. And the hotels there would have been 
you know, pretty expensive himself. However, said that though, two nights at this hotel came to 275 total. Um, so definitely not good for our budget, but hopefully this is the last time I'll be making a trip. I'm hoping for the weather for the rest of this year. Uh, I don't, I know there's no storms coming up the next week or so. You know, we, I know we had snow in January. You know, if this is, you know, a five inch storm or something, it's just snow, then I'll stay home. You know, if it's a foot plus, or if you mix in the ice, that's when I decided I had to go. But I, I don't know. Hopefully we're, we're out of the woods with, um, you know, at least major storms or major ice, ice, ice stuff. Uh, then again, I say that it's February 5th. So who knows? Uh, okay. So the hotel fine, uh, four and a half, I guess out of 10, I don't know. I can't, you know, if you're going to stay in Stanford, there's a lot of other options. I'd probably go, go elsewhere. Hotel wasn't special at all. Uh, the theater itself was walking distance, which was nice, uh, from the hotel. Everything seems to be in that general area. The hotels all seem to surround that downtown. And in the center of the downtown, or at least the center of the downtown that I went to was this mall, the Stamford town center and tax the Stamford town center was the movie theater. I went to the landmark bow tie. Uh, and it, had, it was playing the movie sundown, which I was excited about because it, sundown was in less than 200, uh, theaters nationwide. So I was like, all right, I know it's the opening weekend it came out, but it was playing in, in such a small amount of theaters. I, I was like, all right, that's a pretty good uh, one to go check out. The other reason I liked it was the very first movie playing that day. So I wanted to at least make sure, hey, if I drove all the way to Stanford uh, on Thursday night, I at least wanted to make sure I saw the first movie I could on Friday to make sure that I, you know, I made the right choice, at least by seeing a movie. Uh, and the theaters are nice. They're, the theaters itself are very modern. It, it, one interesting about it was they had two different kinds of popcorns. I didn't have the popcorn, but it had like popcorn in a bag. Like you'd almost buy it like the supermarket. Now it's like $4 and 50 cents. And you had the traditional popcorn. Like you see at every movie theater, that's about six fifty. I wonder if people do buy the popcorn in the bags. Was that, you know, if you're hearing this, that's something you would prefer They kind of have that, you know, that caramel popcorn or kind of, you know, that popcorn you might find at Costco or anything like that, or even in some supermarkets, but that's what you want to eat at a movie theater. It almost like that fresh popped with that, with the butter is that's so movie theater esque. I, I can't imagine wanting another choice, but Hey, they have it for a reason. I'm sure. Saw Sundown. It's a, it's a fine movie. I'm going to give it a B minus. I'll, I'll give you the full review at the end. Okay, so after the movie was over, I checked out the Stamford Town Center. That's the mall that's attached to the movie theater. Mall was built in the early 80s. Same kind of experience I had with the hotel. You know, it's this old, outdated, large, larger than it needs to be building. It didn't have a lot of life to it. Uh, it was oddly structured. The food court's all the way on the top. It said it's the seventh floor, but it seemed to skip. Like, for instance, it went right from the fifth floor to the seventh floor. So I, I don't know what that's about. It was just a oddly laid out. The mall was half empty. Some of those top floors, like the fifth floor, I'd say it was like three quarters empty. Um, the, once you got in the lower floors, that wasn't so much the case. Did have a bookstore, had a, had a Barnes and Noble. Um, it was pr pretty good sized, but even walking around, it was just completely empty. Now, obviously it was a cold rainy day out. The weather wasn't particularly great. Uh, I would say schools, I guess, were canceled in Stanford. Um, I heard some parents complaining about that as I was just walking around the mall, but the mall itself was was fine, just just old and and just not not a lot of uh, identity to it. Uh, at night, I went check out Bobby V's. This is uh, the sports bar owned by Bobby Valentine. I guess there's a couple of different locations. Uh, this was insanely empty. I talked to the bartender though, and uh, and he said no, just because the weather. He says usually it's much busier than that on football Sundays or college football Saturdays. It's standing or mowing in this place, and a big reason why is you can bet on sports there, which is pretty cool. So they have like kiosks you can go, you can place your bet, and uh, and then you can even cash out uh, upstairs at the bar. So I like that. I, you know, I'm there. I, I 
put a little bet on a, on one of the NBA games that was on. They have a wall of TVs, so you can put a, you know, obviously they have all the packages, whether it be Major League Baseball or this time of year, NHL or, or NBA. And uh, and then you can watch the game you bet at and, and hang out. And it was pretty relaxed atmosphere, really good bartender. It was, a, it was a, probably a much more, obviously much more fun place when it's when it's busy. Interesting thing I saw there. So obviously Bobby Valentine, probably most famous for managing the Mets, obviously managed the Red Sox through one horrible season. There is a Bobby Valentine signed jersey uh, hanging on the, uh, uh, in, in the bar. It was funny though. They had right, it was right next to a Mets jersey and the Mets jersey had the whole team signed it, but the Red Sox one was just simply Bobby Valentine's signature. Uh, maybe Kevin Euclid's, uh didn't, didn't want to sign that jersey considering that they, they hated each other. Next day on the way home, I stopped by Milford, Connecticut. It's a town about a half hour from Stanford, also right off 95. I went to the Cinemark uh, movie theater there and saw Kung Fu Panda. Kung Fu Panda, for some reason, is playing at a few different theaters, uh, in the, at least in this area. Uh, and I don't know why. Obviously, Kung Fu Panda was a, a monster hit in 2008, made over $200 million domestically started off, you know, I think they've had three of them now. Uh, all of them made a ton of money. Uh, but I just don't like it's the 14, you know, it came out 14 years ago. I don't quite understand why Kung Fu Panda was the movie that they decided to run with, but saw that at Cinemark there. That Cinemark's also a part of that mall. Meanwhile, that the Cinemark is in was, was incredibly busy. I mean, this was, this was like pre-COVID. This felt like a mall like in the 80s. It was so packed. It was, it was even hard to get my car in and out of there. It was a, it was a madhouse. But the, uh, the Cinemark was interesting. So there's one good thing I went bad thing about the Cinemark. The good thing was the prices were incredibly low. I think it was $5.50 to check out, uh, you know, obviously it's an old movie, but um, that's a pretty good, I think it's a pretty good value. It's one of the cheapest tickets I've bought since doing this. And uh, they had an 11 o'clock showing. That's what, that's what I checked out. Um, I was a little nervous going in there. I'm like, oh, I, I, I'm alone. It's a kid's movie. But luckily, the only th you know, I was one of three people in the theaters. The only other two people there were a, a grown man and his teenage son. So I was like, all right, I don't feel as weird or creepy. You know, a bunch of like, you know, preschool kids there. And I'm just, you know, sitting there watching a movie. It would have been bad. Uh, yeah, so I didn't feel I didn't feel like a creep there. Uh, and the prices of the ticket were pretty low. And then I bought a thing of snow caps, which I'll talk about in a second, and a medium soda came to less than 10 bucks, which that's cheaper than typically what I run into for concession prices that the other theaters I've gone to. So uh, the prices at Cinemark that were among the most competitive I've seen, and it's not like the theater was run down, reclining seats, even had both Cinemark and the Bowtie one the day before had those tables uh, that you can you can eat on and then kind of also fold away if you don't want them there. Both theaters really modern uh, and considering the price, I mean, you can't you know, beat that for, for Cinemark. The negative thing for Cinemark though, is they have this really bizarre policy. I took a picture of this sign here uh, and it said that no one under the age of 17 will be admitted for showtimes starting after 6 p.m. unless with a guardian or, or parent throughout the movie. So in other words, if you're two 15 year old kids and you're you know, bring in this girl on a date. You can't, they won't let you in if it's past 6 p.m. That is wild to me. I think that's a terrible thing. I can't tell you how many times as a teenager, my mom would drop me off at the theaters and I would go either meet up with friends or sometimes I'd just go catch a movie by myself. I had nothing to do. Just, and I know that kids today have so much more to do. And I know also understand that teenagers today are, there's a lot more parental guidance around. There's, you know, kids are, 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 are not left to their own devices as much as it was for me being a teenager in the 90s. But having said that, I mean, what, what are we doing here? So, you know, like I said, teenagers on a date can't go, you know, three buddies can't. And I'm not saying they should see radar movies if they're under 17, whatever. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think there should be a rating system, but regardless, I understand why there is one to just blindly keep out people just because they're young. It seems really wrong to me, but imagine doing that to any other segment of the population. 
Like, oh no, you can't come to our movies after dark. I mean, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand what the, the, what would drive that. I mean, we're teenagers committing vandalism in the theater. If that's the case, then I think you just need to beef up your security. I don't know if that's necessarily something you just need to then you know, kick these kids out of the theater. That seems wild to me. I don't understand that at all. So I think it's a really bad policy by, by Cinemark there. So that was my weekend. It, it wasn't as fun as the Albany trip for sure. You know, Stanford, hey, it did the trick. I got to see two movies and two movies that are, you know, are not getting wide releases. So at least there, I didn't check off any of the movies that I really don't want to see or, or rush to see. Okay, so Snowcaps. Uh, no question about it. Sour Patch Kids, still King of the Mountain. Snowcaps suck. Snowcaps are gross. They are called non-parallels. And I guess the non-parallel part, that is the, like the, the, like the sprinkles, like the white sprinkles. That's what those are called. And then uh, it's on semi-sweet semi chocolate. And I, I just think it's like sprinkles on like a really shitty chocolate chip. I, I don't think anyone really, I, I understand some people like them, but even if you like these, you have to admit it's, it's, an, it's an odd thing to like. I mean, if snow caps were popular, we'd see them anywhere. The only time you see them at movie theaters. No one's ever snacking on snow caps. Snow caps are gross. Maybe one of the worst candies I've ever had. I don't know. I'm, if you like snow caps, like why? I mean, is it is it just those those sprinkles, those non parallels, or is it the actual chocolate themselves you like? The chocolate tasted so cheap and gross to me. Snow caps has kind of an odd history, I guess, or at least an odd element of its history. So it was uh, founded by the Boomendahl Brothers Chocolate Company, and they were based out of Philadelphia. They existed from 1909 until until really the the late 60s. And then they were sold to Ward Foods. It was almost like a merger and it became actually became Ward Candy. And what happened was a lot of the people, the Boomendals, didn't want to run the company anymore. But one person did, a Bernhard S. Boomendahl still wanted to run the Snowcaps company. So he uh, he takes over and then almost immediately they, they have major problems. Uh, I guess a one employee sued. Uh, the company saying that he was for forced to work and it was exposed to a heavy concentration of dust and excessive heat. Uh, so they lost that lawsuit. So they, they had to pay out. In 1974, the company was taken to court again. Uh, I guess what happened was they were uh, secretly manufacturing products outside the state of Pennsylvania. And this was like as much as $5 million a year they were hiding uh, from the government. Those two lawsuits, I guess, crippled the company and they had to sell to the Turson company, who then ended up selling a couple years later to uh, Nestle. The Turson company, I guess, is best known for the chunky candies. Those are bigger in the 80s, I think. I think they're still around, but then they were, they were a big deal in the 80s. Uh, but it wasn't just snowcaps that Blumenthal discovered. They also did goobers, raisinets. Uh, so, so snowcaps, uh, lousy candy, uh, crooked history. This is a uh, this is a product we all should should run away from. Uh, Nestle uh, owned them uh, until pretty recently. They just sold to a company called Ferrero. Nestle sold all of their candies to Ferrero for two point eight billion dollars in twenty eighteen. Uh, but yeah, so that's the uh, the snowcaps story there. Snowcaps, uh, they suck. All right, let's talk Sundown and Kung Fu Panda. Uh, I saw Sundown uh, on Friday. Sundown is a good movie. It's similar to Jockey in that you have a character actor. Jockey, of course, had Clifton Collins Jr. That was a movie I just covered uh, on the last episode. And this has Tim Roth. And Tim Roth is a more acclaimed actor than Clifton Collins Jr. is. Tim Roth was nominated for an Oscar in the mid-90s for Rob Roy. Uh, he's obviously in Reservoir Dogs. You know, he's had a much more acclaimed career, but he's not someone you typically see top-line movies. 
and he's very good in this. I don't want to give too much away uh, because that's kind of the fun of the film is watching it kind of progress, uh, especially with this, where there's some twists. Um, but basically, there's a family on vacation. They get some bad news and three members of the family go back to their home in London, uh, there in Mexico and, or on vacation. And Roth's character forgets his passport and um, he can't go with them. And then things progress in there. It's a very short movie. It's only 83 minutes. Uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg is in it. She plays one of Roth's family members. She's quite good. The cast is strong, but it all really rests on Roth's shoulders. He's carrying every scene. Very little dialogue in this film. I mean, Roth... Know, maybe says, you know, two paragraphs of words in this entire movie. He just doesn't say very much. Um, it's a lot of it's through his eyes and kind of what, and his actions, I guess, or inactions to some extent. The director is Michael Franco, who has directed some films that people have some issues with from a moral standpoint. This movie definitely has a message it's trying to convey, especially in the last act of the film. But I feel the movie's interesting enough where it it's at least a unique message hammer. If, if that's even what Franco's trying to do here, there's a lot that's left unsaid uh, and it might be you know up to the viewer to kind of read between the lines or even look at the lines at all. So uh, I check out Sundown if you're interested in kind of dark character studies uh, and if you like Tim Roth. Uh, so that's gonna get, that'll get a, a, a B minus from me and Kung Fu Panda will get a B minus from me as well. Kung Fu Panda, I've never seen any of these Kung Fu Panda movies. Uh, this was pretty entertaining. It looks great. Uh, the animation's fantastic. This was done by DreamWorks Animation, uh, and it's very good. It, lo it looks, like I said, it looks uh, phenomenal. This was directed by John Stevenson and Mark Osborne. They didn't do any of the sequels. Um, they only did this one, but this I haven't seen the sequels either, obviously. This looks very good. This is a, a entertaining movie. I think it's Jack Black at his best. I'm not a big Jack Black fan. I find it to be obnoxious. I don't think he's particularly funny. Uh, the best Jack Black movie is probably Tropic Thunder, which is a, a great movie, a great comedy, but he's the weak link in that movie. Uh, I just don't find him very funny. Uh, but in this, you know, when it's just his voice, which is so emotional, like I didn't like School of Rock, uh, but when it's just his voice, he's like the perfect voice actor. And he gives the character a lot of heart and soul just in how his voice is expressing things when if it was the full Jack Black experience, sometimes that can be that can be too much. Uh, Dustin Hoffman, um, also is a, uh, has a major part in this. Uh, Hoffman is so expressive. He's such a great actor that he really sells that character. I mean, a lot of this stuff is very cliche. It's taking the, the Kung Fu genre, messing with it a little bit, but also keeping true to it to some extent. So it's also that journey of, you know, follow your dreams and, you know, taking the ugly duckling. It's a lot of those same generic themes, but the movie's entertaining enough. It looks great enough. The voice acting is interesting enough where it, overshoots some of the things that are holding it back. I don't know. I think you can do a lot worse with a kid's movie here. I, I found it to be, there were a couple of times I laughed out loud watching it. Like this is a fairly entertaining movie. Uh, so Kung Fu Band is pretty good. B minus. Um, I will be back tomorrow uh, with Blood and Sand. Blood and Sand is a 1922 silent film. Rudolph Valentino movie. It's playing at the Wilton Town Hall. Uh, so it's a really interesting experience. I went once to a Buster Keaton movie there uh, pre-COVID. So I'm excited to go back and check that out and we'll be back with an all new concession because uh, every episode get a new concession uh, and talk about the box office report, the updated expense report after the Stanford trip. Uh, and I will talk to you folks then.